watching today online, welcome. Welcome to our family online as well. We're glad that you're uh, joining us today. You know, um, as time goes on here and, um, you know, we're just living and we're looking at everything that's going on in the world, I have to say that, you know, it's just incredible to me to witness uh, the decline that we're in in this day and age. It's such a just a moral decline that we're witnessing all around us in our in our whole world today. And the title of my message today is Missing the Mark, Missing the Mark. And I know it's ironic that Mark's not here today, but <laughs> but we're going to talk about missing the mark. And, you know, some days it just feels like things are spiraling out of control, you know. And um, but, you know, because of the clarity of God's word, um, I am not awesome. Awesome. All right. They're excited Um, because of the clarity of God's word um, that discusses this. We know to expect this sort of thing. Even Jesus is very clear about it in the Bible, in the uh, Olivet Discourse. He discussed, you know, towards the end of the age, we're going to witness so much of the things that we've been seeing. And so I'm not taken back. I'm not surprised and I'm definitely not shaken at everything that's happened around us. But I want to make a couple observations today in God's word to help give us some clarity, to help give us um, a good foundation in God's word so um, we can stand firm in these dark days, right? And simply put, the condition of the world that is in the unbelieving part of the world is the condition called sin, right? Simply put, it's just sin. We live in a sinful broken word. And um, sin is actually a very interesting word. Um, In the Hebrew, it's a word, uh, and it goes like this. It's called hata. Everybody say hata. Hata. Sounds like that noise you make when you're about to fight your brother or sister, right? And in the Greek, the word is hamartia. Everybody say hamartia, right? And these words actually mean the same thing, and it's really interesting to me. They're taking, taken from an archer's reference, those um, archers who shoot arrows, and, and, and both these words mean to miss the mark, to miss the goal, right? So sin is a word that actually means to miss the mark. You know, what happens in life to so many is that when we get to a certain age, we take a look at the horizon and we pull back our arrow that is our life and we make our best shot. We gather as much information as we can. We, we look at what looks good to us and we say, I'm going to take this trajectory in my life. And so many get to the end of their life and realize that they've missed the target. They've missed the mark. And in fact, what happens is actually we miss the real objective in life. And ultimately, that's what we see around us so much is a whole world that is missing the whole objective in life. It's not to get rich. It's not to become famous. It's not to become any of those goals that we see out there to an unbelieving world. It's to know Jesus Christ is the ultimate goal of this life. One commentator I was reading said this. He said, sin isn't just an error in judgment. It's actually missing the whole point of life. Isn't that interesting? 
And we can get so caught up in the moral issues that we're seeing every day. But really, we need to address what's really going on. And the whole world is missing the whole point of life, right? And, you know, it's so important for us to stay focused on that point. You know, I'm sure many of us get caught up in these conversations about what's going on in the world and how to address it. And that's fine, but ultimately, I think it's so important to us that we always go back to the big picture. You know, do you know God? Do you know that there is a God? Do you know what's going to happen to you when you leave this earth? You know, my wife was 17, didn't know the Lord, and a good Christian friend of hers asked her one simple question that set a fire in her heart that she eventually came to know the Lord. And that question was, what do you think of God? What do you think of God? You know, and that is a powerful question. And so for us, it's so good that we take a look at the whole picture, what's going on around us and and where we're heading. Today, I want to start um, at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, the moment that humanity missed the mark. So if you have your Bibles today, join me in Genesis 3, please. Genesis 3, uh, verse 1. If you're there, say, let's go. Okay. You know, I'm just going to pray. I always pray before I read the word, so I'm just going to do it today. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for its truth, God. We ask that it penetrates our hearts, God, and um, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it. Or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? The man replied, Excuse me. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Nice guy, eh? Always nice guy. Yeah, really putting her first there. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Right, we'll just end it there. So I just want to unpack a couple things here. And first, we're going to look at what 
the serpent said. What the serpent said. And the first thing that the serpent said was, did God really say that? Did God really say that? And Satan, he still says that today to each of us, to the whole world. He says, did God really say that? Did God really say that? That's one reason why it's incredibly important to read our Bibles and to know our Bibles, because when that battle starts in our mind, did God really say that? We say, absolutely it did. And just like Jesus, we say, it is written, it is written, it is written. It's so important to know the truth of God's word, because one thing we know is that we're in a spiritual battle, and the the opposition head of that spiritual battle is a liar. He is a liar. The word um, diabolos is a Greek word for like devil, right? Devil is diabolos. And that word means slanderer, slanderer. And he has been a slanderer from day one. And the, it's so interesting too, because slander to slander is the act or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. That's all the enemy does. He's just out there to slander the Lord, slander God's people, and and he's out there to spin the truth. That's what he does, and that's what he did here um, with, with Adam and Eve. Number two, he says, you shall be as gods. You shall be as gods. And here we go. This is really the heart of the whole issue. We will be like God. We will decide what's right and wrong on our own. We will control our own destiny with no regard for God. That's something called humanism. And humanism is really becoming the whole new world religion. It's just everything I want to do with absolutely no regard to God, who he is, what he says. It's me, me, me. And the concept of wanting to be like God comes from Satan himself. It was him who said, I will be like the most high God. He's trying to get everyone possible to follow the same route he did. And ultimately, it sounded good to Eve. Sounded pretty good. Say, man, I want that. I want to be like that. He knows how to get the core of our human nature and says, you know what, that sounds good to me. I want to be a God. And we see that so much in this culture. So many people even referring to themselves as a God, you know, and that is the whole heart of the issue is I want to decide what's right for me. I want to be in control of my destiny. And we know that that is simply not the truth. And so, number three, the first thing they hear when their eyes were open, they see that they were naked, that they were naked. And we see that when sin comes in, you know, there was a lot of firsts that day. There was a lot of firsts in the Garden of Eden. And on that day, for the first time, there was shame felt. There was guilt felt. And there was fear felt for the very first time. And that's what sin does. That's what sin brings into the world It brings in those things. And I'm going to read um, what God says here, and I love this. Pay attention here to what God says. He comes down, and he simply says, where are you? Where are you? i got a question for you guys. How many people here think God didn't know where they were? (laughs) Right? He knew exactly what had happened. He knew exactly where they were at, but he chose to say, where are you? And 
I want you to know today that God knows exactly where you're at today. He knows exactly where we're at today, and he's asking us the same thing. He's saying, where are you? You know, when he said that to Adam and Eve, he said that because he knew where they were. And one thing was for sure, he wasn't with him. He wasn't with him. And he wasn't, he said, you're not in my presence. You're not in my presence. Where are you? And for all of us, no matter what we've been through or where we're at, God asks us the same thing today. He says, where are you? Where are you? Because here I am. Where are you? It's something that we should ask ourselves all the time. Um, you know, and right from the beginning, God's heart has been the redemption of his sons and daughters. You know, could you imagine it? Many of us here have little kids. When you go into a room and your little kids have made a mess of things, usually you don't say, what happened here? You know, you say, what did you do? I can't believe this, right? But no, not the Lord. He's a perfect father, a perfect parent. And he said, he said, you know, where are you? Giving every opportunity for, for redemption. And we'll look at that more in a minute here. And so number two, um, he hid. Adam hid. And Adam and Eve hid. They knew what they had done. They felt guilt and they felt shame. And so they hid, you know, and they sewed fig leaves to try to cover up their condition. They sewed them and tried to cover up. And we see that in the world, you know. And um, one thing, when I worked in Toronto, everybody was wearing fancy suits and everything. And you think, wow, that's pretty cool. Everybody's looking pretty sharp. And then you get to know the people and you think, wow, they're just as broken and empty and lost as, as I am. And so we can cover up with the finest things, but that doesn't change our internal condition at all. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And so they were naked, and, and in this translation it says they were barren, they were lifeless. And when, when we're dead in sin... We're lifeless. We're just barren without Christ in our lives. And, um, you know, one writer said to hide from God's presence is the instinct of guilt. And the converse of that is to seek his face, right? It's to seek his face. And ultimately, that's the trajectory that we want to be on in our lives is to seek his face, is to seek his face. But that sin, that problem of sin in our lives, it just makes us want to hide, just makes us want to hide. It's like that elephant in the room that needs to be addressed before we can really seek God's faith. Excuse me, seek God's face. And, and ultimately, what all this stuff brings together is a spiritual barrenness, and death comes, and when sin comes, it leads to death, and, it, and, it, and what happens is you get a total broken moral compass. And we're seeing that in the world today. There is actually just no moral compass anymore. It's, it's, it's completely broken. And um, this is what happens when we miss the mark. This is what happens when we miss the mark. And, and it's actually not a new thing. This has been going on from the beginning of time. And we saw it in Noah's day. In Genesis 6, 5, it says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagine was consistently and totally evil. So it's nothing new. You know, thousands of years separate these two events and these two times, but the exact same condition remains, right? There is nothing new under the sun, you know, Ecclesiastes said. So number three, has thou eaten, God says, has thou eaten? You know, I love how the Lord, it really shows his character, 
You know, he's always just about love and redemption. And he's saying, where are you? Have you eaten? That's such, it's his heart. You know, it's always been about redemption. It's giving a chance to openly and, and giving us a chance to honestly admit our wrong, wrongdoing. Right. And, and it's 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 admitting our I've missed the mark, Lord. I've, I've missed the I've missed the mark, you know. And anyways, all of this starts with questioning God and his authority. That's where it all started is questioning God and his authority and his word. And it began with Satan. This wasn't the first sin. There was even the original sin, if you were. And um, we find that in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. It says this. It says, I think we got it up. We got it up there. Isaiah 14. It says, talking about Lucifer. For those who don't know, uh, Satan was once actually a created angel in the presence of God. And, and after this ordeal here was sent down, was cast out of heaven, was sent down to earth. And this is a recount of what happened there. And it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. And this is the part I want to look at here. It says, For you said to yourself, I will descend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away from the north. And that's what the whole idea of it is, is I will, I will, I will, right? I will. And you know, we hear so much in this day and age about the end times and, and the mark of the beast and the 666 and all this stuff, right? And that's great stuff to have um, a conversation about. And just simply today, I want to say, according to Bible scholars, the number six is a number that just represents man. It's the imperfection of man in sin. It's just man without God. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing government without God, schools without God, religion without God, man's existence without God. And that's where we're heading. And if you look around, it's just, there's a six, there's a six, there they all are, right? It's a whole world system that's coming together that just has no total regard for God whatsoever, that's where we're at. And again, I'm not surprised, I'm not shaken, and I'm not shocked by any of this. And, but one thing I want to say today, there's only one mark that I'm interested in getting, and it's found in Revelation 22, verse 3. If you have your Bibles, it's really easy to find. It's the last two pages. Revolution, Revelation 22, verse 3. And this is what I'm aiming for. This is my trajectory and all of us here all of us in Christ this is what we are looking forward to and this is where we are he- we are heading revelation 22:3 says this no longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine down on them, and they will reign forever and ever. That's the only mark I'm ever getting in my life, and it's the mark of God on my forehead when I'm with him in eternity with all of us. 
And you know something? If you are getting discouraged at this world, one thing probably good to shut off the news. And then secondly, you want to read the last couple chapters of Revelation. Read it all the time. Memorize it. Get it in your heart because that's what we have to look forward to. That's our focus. That's our goal. That is where we're heading. That is our aim, right? So just today I want to look at how do we not miss the mark? How do we not miss the mark? We could send them a text. No, I'm just kidding. Does a person hit a target intentionally or by accident, right? Uh, uh, it's, it's intentional, of course, right? It's an intentional thing to, to wind up and, and to hit a target. We decide. We decide and we commit. And by God's grace uh, and leading us, we hit it, right? It's not by accident. We want to be accurate. We want to be accurate by knowing God's truth, and we want to be accurate by living God's truth. While there is a million ways to hell, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. Our faith in his atoning sacrifice he made for us. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and there is no other way to the Father but through him. Somebody said that the way, the truth, and the life, the way is external, the truth is inter- internal, and the life, that's eternal. Amen? Isn't that cool? Um, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our trajectory. It's our narrow way. If you think of an arrow, it can really only have one trajectory to hit that end goal, right? While there's a million other ways it could go that would miss that mark. Um, in Luke chapter 13, 22, we have a beautiful, some of my favorite portion of scripture here. Luke 13, 22. It's okay, baby. We'll be done soon. It says this, talking about the narrow door. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. Yeah, we'll keep her going. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? And he replied this, Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand on the outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open up the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you and taught you in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. And, excuse me, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you will be thrown out. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, I was uh, doing some vinyl flooring the other day in a bedroom. And uh, I kind of got all set up, and I got my measuring tape out, and I just for fun wanted to see where I was going to end up at the end of the room. And I did a quick measurement, and to me, it looked perfectly like I was going to end up with the last piece, and it was going to be set perfectly. And I was psyched. I thought, man, God is with me today doing this floor. This is fantastic, because the worst part is when you come up short, and you got to cut that inch strip, right? And you cut your fingers, and it's terrible trying to do all that. And I thought, man, this is a good a good day. And I, um, you know, just did a quick measurement, nothing crazy. And when I finally got there, 
I was an inch short. And there was some weeping and gnashing of teeth going on in that room. And you know, I think that happens to so many people in their lifetime where they, they kind of take a brief look at things. They say, ah, we'll get there somehow. I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. And then they finally get to that point, but then it doesn't. They weren't intentional with their lifestyle. They weren't intentional in their, in their seeking after the Lord, right? And, and if I was to get down on my knees in that room and take my measuring tape and really look closely and make sure that I was on the right trajectory, I would at least expect or know where I was going to end up. There wouldn't be any surprises, right? It says, you know, it says work hard to enter the narrow gate, but it says that word is actually strive. It means make every effort. And we know that we don't get saved by our actions, right? But it's talking about really being careful with how we live, really thinking about how we're going to end up at the end of our life. Strive to make every effort, you know, and and really hold God's word up to our lives and make sure that we're on the right trajectory. Uh, Matthew 7, 24, one of my favorite verses, it's building a solid foundation. And for us, Every single person here, we're building something. We're building a life. We're building a family, okay? And Jesus says this. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. The rain comes in in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You know something? This book is a level. You guys know what a level is? Some people call it a bubble stick. I don't know if you know. You know, a level is one of the most important tools any builder can use. In this book, God's word is the level that we hold up to our spiritual lives, our spiritual building. And you know what? This, the level in the real world, it gets, it gets used every day, many times throughout the day. You put it on every decision you make, every choice that you make, and you see how, how level you are. You know, if, if we didn't have a, a level in our building world, we would have structures just falling down all the time. The wind would blow and everything would collapse. It would come toppling over, right? But the fact is, since there's no spiritual level anymore, there's no moral level, we have a whole society that's toppling over, right? And for us, it's so important that we hold God's word daily up to our life, every choice we make, and say, God, is there anything I need to adjust? Is there anything I need to rebuild in this location? Because I want to build a a good foundation and a level life so that when I reach the top of it, there will not be a mighty crash and, and even on the way there, when the winds come and the storms come, and, and, and I'm sure that all of us are going to experience some storms yet in our life. When they come, we will be firm. We will be planted on the rock, on that solid foundation, right? So the message of the world is all have sin. All has missed the mark. The way to life is narrow. There's only one trajectory to the target. There's only one trajectory to life that is Jesus Christ. And you know, I was reminded of this verse from Proverbs when I was writing this. It said, There is a way that seems right to a man, 
but in the end, it leads to death. It ends in death. And, and really, it's, it's, it's the tragedy of our society. It's the tragedy of life. There's so many who start out just unaware um, of God and his truth and his way, and they say, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm sure it'll just end up okay for me. But the end is the way of death. We have a whole world, for the most part, trying to hit the mark on their own. Being a good person, I'm a good person. There's many ways to heaven. Everybody's going to end up there. It's going to be fine. But really, the Christian says, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, to eternal light, to eternal life. My final thought today is this. It's just, where are you today? Where are you? Where am I? Are we walking with God? Are we missing the mark? And, um, you know, I think it's, it's so important to clarify that, you know, the mark, it's not just heaven, and it's not just eternal life, it's knowing God, the creator of us and of heaven and earth, it's knowing him. In John seventeen three, Jesus defines eternal life. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's not until we find our target that we find our creator, we find our Lord, everything finally makes sense. It's the right answer. It's the bullseye that our heart has been yearning for. He fills the gap in our soul that we've been feeling since we've been born, right? It's the life we were created to live. Does anybody know the song, Knowing You, Jesus? Let's sing the chorus of that. Knowing you, come on now, don't leave me hanging, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing, Charlie, come on, you're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord, bullseye, let's pray. God, we just thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we are not utterly lost, that we are found in you, God, that there is a purpose to this life. It's not just suffering and then blackout at the end, Lord, but it's life and life eternal. It's relationship and love, Lord Jesus. Everything that we need is found in you, God. It's so wonderful, God, to be able to worship here together with your people, Lord. Thank you that you have a place for us, God, in eternity, in a perfect environment, God, that we will worship you and and just be together and be with you, God. Thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord Jesus. As we leave this building, God, and enter into back into our families and our workplaces, Lord, may your truth just abound in our hearts and our minds, Lord. Would we know it accurately and would we live it accurately, Lord Jesus? And would you just continue to create a fire in us, God, in these days so that when everything is dark that we would shine even brighter, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, and bless each one here. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you guys and uh, grab your kids when you can. We'll see you next time.